and he still only managed. He still only managed bloody thirteenth. So yeah. Anyway, there's issues. There's issues with that car in the heat. Um, Hopefully that's sorted out by Melbourne. Well, I hope so. I invested in a bloody t-shirt this year, so Mm. I want to have a reason to wear it. No. Anyway, and it's anyway. Let's let's start this then, boys. Let's go. So. Good evening, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Racing Line podcast. I think this is what, boys, 26? 27, I think. 27, 26, whatever it is. Um, Formula One is back, and tonight we're going to be reviewing the first race of the season out of Bahrain. Um, the, race, the race took place in the early hours of this morning. Um, what do we do? Do we just reckon we'll run quickly, run through the results well if, if you haven't watched it you probably should watch it because as far as um the spectacle formula one definitely won today back, baby um it's back it looked awesome there was some great racing some great overtaking something we've been starved of for quite um, some time ferrari first and second red bull really had two chances to make a podium position and both verstappen and um perez retired from the race late on so Hamilton finished in third, George Russell, Russell finished in fourth. And then some really surprising results from fifth to 10th with Magnussen in the Haas, Botas in the Alfa Romeo, Ocon in the Alpine, Sonoda, Alfa Tauri. Alonso came home in ninth and Guan Yuzo came home in 10th. So boys, where do you reckon we start tonight? It was quite an interesting race. The new um, formula threw a lot of Spanish in the works, which was great to see. So where do you suggest we start? Firstly, how are you? Mate, I've had the best week of my life. Oh. <laughs> it was a pretty good week of racing, I'll tell you that much. Like, you, all together. It was a great week of racing. I know we don't talk about endurance racing much, but um, we had... Two what, races we, at Sebring. We had two races at Sebring, one of my favourite tracks. Um, they were both quite, quite interesting and came down to the sort of final hour. And then... Um, we had MotoGP this week, which was another great race. We had quite a few good races at Tasmania in our, um, a few of the smaller Australian categories, Phillip which Island, were really good. Phillip Sorry, Phillip Island. Yeah, Phillip Island. My bad. And then to capital off, we had the first race of the season in it, of this new F1 season. And to be honest, like I did not expect um, that race to be as interesting as it was, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. I was, re- I was really happy that even though it is early doors, but I was happy that the first race of this new this new uh, iteration of Formula One didn't uh, did more than just um, sort of be interesting interesting, but it also gave for now um, sort of every fan of every team except maybe McLaren a bit of a taste of of just just some good vibes. Some if you general know what I mean. optimism, right? Yeah, like I think realistically, every team can be optimistic, except maybe some McLaren fans. But other than that, like you had good results from um, from Haas, from the um, Alpha Tauri. Alpha, Alpha Tauris. I mean, the Ferrari fans will be peaking at the moment. Like all those, all that um, time that they devoted to that car last year, instead of developing last year's car, seems to have really paid off. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a it was awesome to see another team fighting for the win so dominantly other than Mercedes, to be honest. <laughs> H, what were your takeaways, brother? Um, cars looked awesome. I hate the track. 
I know that it was it was an interesting race, but I actually cannot stand this track. I wish that we'd started somewhere else, and I hate that the next race is at Jeddah. Mm-hmm. That frustrates me to no end. <laughs> but um, look, the cars look really good. The Ferrari, um, I think you'll recall in the our 2021 re- review episode, I called Charles Leclerc as the champion for 2022. I'm sticking with it. Um, Dude, this early is days. such early doors. No, well, look, mate. I think um, I think Ferrari, just, Ferrari look, Ferrari look on it. Just remember when um when uh, Ronaldo signed for Manchester United and people were talking about them being cha- uh, potential champions, mate. That was don't don't make that mistake. Oh, again. I was never making that call. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, the cars look great. I think uh, a lot of the teams seem to already have a handle on the porpoising, which is good to see. You know, the development rate must be huge at this point. For them to get on top of it so quickly but um yeah it was good to see the mercs struggling a little bit more even though we did get a hamilton podium but um yeah it was a good start good start uh, things are going to when they go to europe i think this these cars are going to be amazing at those tracks yeah I, a few interesting well probably the most interesting thing that i saw and it's probably by by the fact that you know i follow McLaren um, was the fact that two of probably the, the most touted teams of the preseason with them developing infrastructure and building up the team with a lot of key engineering names coming into 2022 both struggled being McLaren and Aston Martin as well I think both of them um, by the fact that three three or four cars retired had results that even though they looked bad could have looked a lot worse uh, I mean, McLaren were 14th and 15th, but realistically, it probably should have been 16th and 17th. You know, they weren't not 14th. I think they were 15th and 17th. No, it was 14th and 15th. 14th but and I, 15th, mate. But I, th- but I think a lot can also be said, AB, for the um, the Merck power unit. The last six cars were customer teams for the Merck. Yeah, I, that, I agree. And McLaren definitely themselves were saying that they they've got performance issues with their engine, mm-hmm. particularly with racing the Red Bull and the and the Ferrari. So if they're not even keeping up with, you know, their competitors, well, then it's going to be hard. It's kind of like what happened with Ferrari and their customers over the last couple of years as well. So they really didn't do well. Um, and that's really underwhelming considering particularly the Barcelona test and also just the general consensus of where both teams were at moving into this season. Um, but then also there was a, some, some good news as well. So obviously listening to, Ricardo and Lando, they were saying that the car actually, you know, they tried all the different tyres. They were essentially used the race as a, as a big testing session. And they thought there was a lot of benefits that they could take from it. If it is a power unit problem that they're, you know, being plagued by, and it's obviously not just that because we are aware of the braking issues that they're dealing with right now. So, but if it is a power unit problem as well, then there goes the second race at Jeddah too particularly for those two teams. So um, saying that though, out of all the constructors that do that are engine suppliers, Merck are the ones that are going to get on top of it the quickest. Yeah, they will. I don't, I don't, I don't really, I mean, there was six Ferrari power engine uh, powertrains in the top 11 cars, which is something that we haven't seen, you know, <laughs> in a long time. Um but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's. It would be all directed to the um, to the powertrain. Really, like we know. I mean, if you if you've got no front brakes, which McLaren 
sort of don't have like to the fullest potential. Like there's that, that in itself is going to hamper you more than anything. Um, I mean, the Mercedes didn't look that bad this race considering for like what we've, what we were expecting. Like I was, I was expecting much, like much worse than, than what we sort of got. Um, and yeah, they sort of got a podium by default, but I mean, the, I would, I would say engine problem wise, um, the Hondas have got a bit more of a issue on their hands than, um, than the, than the Mercedes do. Um, but I just, I think that all that extra time that Ferrari put into developing this car probably has to be the, the biggest, like they, they weren't racing for the, for um, the title last year. And I think that, that in itself, um, in hindsight now shows how good that third position in the constructors championship was. I was, I was going to make that point as well. I think it's really interesting how, um, how much it obviously looks like they were developing that car for quite some time, but the fact that they were still able to finish last season so strong. And I think a lot of it did come down to engine development as well. And, and they've kind of taken that engine and, and, and kept running with it this year. And they, they look in a really strong, sorry, they're looking in a really strong position quite early on. So it's really good because Ferrari traditionally have struggled every time there's a change of regulations in recent history. So for them to be on top of it, um, so early is definitely a good thing for the sport. You, because are you guys aware that the that the, the fuel um, has changed this year? Yeah, but they've E10. got more E10. Exactly. It's, what is it? Is it thirty percent? So it's e, The thing is, because it's E10. I was listening to something today. Um, it runs hotter in the engine, which makes the whole engine run hotter than it did last year. So that's um, so they're saying a lot. Um, there could be some teething problems with the whole like whole engine setup because um, teams had in testing hadn't run the car that hard for that long, and that, yeah. that they're saying that's what the um, the problems with Red, the Red Bulls might have been. Uh, I mean, Hondas. the Honda, sorry, yeah, the no, the um, the AlphaTauri issue was an MG uh, MG UK issue, so they're not putting it down to that at all, but. Um, I, I, did, I wasn't aware of that, to be honest, until today. Uh, and that's sort of something interesting to think about with this whole... Um, I know you said the engines are the same, but there's still definitely going to be teething problems along the way because of that. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Let's, what about um, a few of the, the highlights from the race? Obviously, we've been talking about the, hey, usual, the usual suspects, but yeah, there were definitely what a some... legend. Fantastic result. I mean, considering that last week he was... On the Set way to race to this weekend, that's Florida. Evening. Yeah, he was in Florida. The, jumps to, jumps into the Haas. Um, you know, out qualifies Mick Schumacher, and it just had a really clean race. And you know what the reality is? None of us really doubted K Mag's skill. I mean, from my personal point of view, I really liked how abrasive he could have been. At you know, he can be at times. He's just definitely a racer. My balls, one of the best lines ever. <laughs> yeah, and to see him back and in a car that. Well, I mean, kudos to Haas, considering what happened to them last week. For them to have a weekend like they did, uh, you know, we can only imagine how much better it could have been if Schumacher didn't get um, spun by Ocon early in the race. So they have, they've really turned it around very quickly, which is awesome to see. Really good to see. We need it as a sport, really, for Haas to be good. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, in terms of like, so your whole weekend is you're going to, to do one race, 
you you leave your airport with your family thinking that yeah I've got a chance of make of being in F one this year but it's not really that big and then by the time you land in Florida you have um, a message saying get here as soon as possible so we can work out this contract you leave your family in Florida jump on a plane straight from the airport back you know get that contract signed but not even that then come into the come into the um, into the paddock and perform like you've done the th- the six days of testing that everyone else has done and then get straight into the top 10 of um of qualifying i mean that's i think I, I don't think people they really played up to how big of a deal that could be for someone who hasn't even been was, wasn't even on the grid last year i think you know i think I mean? that the the best comparison to look at is probably nico hulkenberg who also raced this week and now obviously magnuson's a little bit more match fit in the sense that he's racing in racing last year but he wouldn't be definitely needing to be at the same level that he was when he was in formula one but for him to jump in the car be quick straight away he even qualified really well which was great to see um so for him to be able to do that just shows you know the measure of the man and this is the other thing like you you talk about these ordinary drivers in formula one you throw them in a car that's half decent and i think all of them could really show what their true potential is um, so the fact that there's a formula now, and I guess it's very early days, but the fact that there's a formula now that allows drivers to be close together to show a little bit more of their talent, um, hopefully is a great thing for the sport. Did, um, what did you think about the actual optics of the race, like how the cars sort of looked and reacted on the track? Because um, Well, I had to watch the def- mini because I didn't, wasn't going to wake up at 2 o'clock for this one, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, I got up at 4 and watched it live. Did you? Like, as, as it was live. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't check my phone or anything and just watched oh, yeah, it before gotcha. work. Gotcha. Um, um, but I thought that the fact that there were overtakes and then within the same lap, team, drivers are able to overtake back again is a very good, good thing for the sport. And obviously, you've got a double DRS zone in the first sector. But it did look like they were able to um, follow more closely. Did you um, notice that they looked like they were going slower through those first couple sections on the lap compared they to been. they would they definitely would have been like yeah. it, but it, like, it, like you can visibly see a massive difference. It, it honestly, when I was watching it, it reminded me like the cars reacted like faster F two cars. As weird as that sound, like the way they like the the way they looked in the corner, they just didn't look as as planted as F one yeah. cars of a couple of years ago, which is what they're aiming for. Yeah, they're not on rails anymore. No, like definitely not. Yeah, you can't just turn in and the car will do what. Like it's just, yeah. it's totally different. And I, I think it's good. I think we need that. You need yeah, opportunities like that to actually generate better racing as well. Like the more, the more mistakes and the more, I guess, the more you're having to move the wheel to correct things, the more chance there is for overtakes because it's not just like a. We talked about it last year. The whole manicured idea of you no know, perfect tracks, perfect cars makes it really hard to make mistakes and all those kind of things. Well, if that's the case, it's really hard to overtake. Whereas in this particular regard, the cars are a lot heavier too, which definitely plays a part there. Um, but we're struggling. Now I think it's good. They were struggling in that first braking zone after the, the pit straight. A lot yeah. of the cars were locking up, even through quali, through practice, the whole weekend. Yeah. I think that's what we want to see. Yeah, I really think that's what we want to see. So that was, that in that regard, it's been really good. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about um, Alpine? So, I mean, I mean, the things that actually we can talk about um, a few of those teams that were struggling last year. So we've got, obviously we spoke about Haas, how they were fifth 
Schumacher finished 11th um, after being spun. So that was you know, still a pretty good job. But even teams like Alfa Romeo, who were nowhere for the majority of last year, they had a we really bad testing this year. They had a really bad first <laughs> test in Barcelona. And then we've got a double podium. You've got Botas, who finished in sixth, who qualified really well as well, really well, he qualified fifth, as well, I must say. Um, and even Guan Yu Zhou Six. finished in 10th. So Alfa Romeo, yeah, really good, really, like, I mean, obviously it's the, it's interesting. In Formula One, you see a lot of really good debuts with drivers just staying out of trouble, being very clean and, and kind of picking their battles a little bit more than they do once they get a bit more confidence. I mean, we saw the same thing with Stenoda last year. Um, so, I mean, he did have a very clean uh, first race. Great for him to, to get a, a championship point. But Alfa Romeo, even the, the um, growth that they've shown has been really impressive, I thought. And it's great. It's great for the sport, particularly when you've got a, a manufacturer brand that's, that's you know, investing in, in Formula One. Well, I think great. one thing, there are so many brands investing in Formula One now. You've got Honda, Aston Martin, um, Alpine, Renault. You've got Alfa Romeo. Then you have your normal Mercedes and stuff. You, you do need these teams to get bang for their buck and value. So by shrinking, by shrinking the amount of, um, you know, just the shrinking the difference between the like pace of the cars, you you are able to give different um, teams like just little wins that they can then market. So any chance of that happening, like I'm definitely a fan of. But the other thing is, like these teams have definitely like, you need to be there to score points. And like today we saw three cars who we probably would have thought to see in the top five in the two Red Bulls and, a, and a Alpha Tari uh, as the only cars to not finish a race, which is crazy in itself. And then there are teams there who, who, who put a good race together and capitalise. I mean, um, if you think about like Botas coming sixth, he might not even get a result like that at all through the year, but that's a decent amount of points. That's definitely going to, um, could be cha- um, not life-changing, but be a big um proponent to where they finish at the end of the year you know even the first race of the year you can't sort of um think oh we we're here um sort of testing like mclaren are because now they're what a couple points behind these other teams and we don't know how mclaren's year is going to go i think it's massive i think you made a good point in the sense that you've got these teams that are obviously still making huge investments and you know recently that investment was just trying to obviously catch up to the midfield the fact that there's a reset the fact that hopefully the racing is closer means that some of those smaller teams who realistically know they're not fighting for a championship get the chance to have relative levels of success so podium not podium finishes but maybe podium finishes but definitely point scoring finishes and strong results that kind of provide some kind of evidence to the investment that um you know what they're doing is worthwhile so I think that's really important for the sport. And the great thing to see, even though we did get a little bit of a procession at the start of the, you know, at the beginning of the field with, you know, Ferraris, Red Bulls and um, Mercedes, after that, there was a, definitely a mix of matching. You saw Alfa Romeo, Alpine, Al, Alfa Tauri, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, Haas. So it was definitely a good mix and match of those midfield teams littered in that, you know, from fifth to tenth. I think that is that I'm, I really hope happens this year. And, and we saw a sort of a little bit of it this week was, you know how last year you have a lot of like team lockouts. So you have a team on first, team on second, team on yeah. third. 
um, due to just like the car. Mm. Um, like we didn't see anything close to that in this race. And hopefully that goes through to the end of the year because that definitely makes it a lot more interesting, but also shows that the cars are a lot closer together. Mm. You know? Like, yeah, I agree. Can I ask, what do you guys, how do you guys think, um, or what do you think about Max? Um, I thought he was fine. He was frustrating the hell out of me today, this morning, with his constant whinging and complaining over the radio. And it kind of reminded me of Lewis a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you guys thought about that. They're just, I don't know what yeah, it was. You, but... know it's, you know, it's really interesting, right? And it's, I think it's just a byproduct of having a good car and then not having a good car. Mm. Uh, is this like you, you kind of forget? I mean, Max for years was right, driving an underperforming car. And, you know, I guess we probably didn't hear as much radio because, um, it wasn't so outrageous because he wasn't like the world champion and stuff like that. Um, so maybe there's a, some, some tailoring of the radio that we do here based on that. Cause I'm sure a lot of people are complaining about their cars and things like that. But yeah, I did, I did get those vibes. What I will say is that based on what Red Bull was saying about how the car wasn't really performing the same way it did during testing and during free practice for him to still be uh, very competitive uh, in that particular situation seems, you know, pretty good for him. The, the, the hard thing is going to be if, I mean, particularly Saints and Leclerc, they're not really known for, I guess, making big mistakes. So 25 points already is a huge deficit. How he's able to claw that back already, um, you know, from, you know, this early in the season, you know, remains to be seen. So that could be an interesting story. Um, that, but if that Red Bull is as good as, they're saying you could easily see him winning five races, which will claw back all those points. Yeah, but I don't think it's I don't think it's that good that he's just going to beat Ferraris based on today's showing. Yeah, no, well, today's showing was one race. Yeah. I mean, and he was beating one Ferrari. And I wouldn't put I, past Ed Ferrari from having mistakes as well, to be honest. Oh, I mean, Ferrari, I, think, I, I think on I think on Harry's point, um, I think. Formula One need to be, like I'd have no problem with racers complaining during mm. a race, especially like I thought what he was saying was relative. Like even though he sounded like a bitch, like whingy, um, I thought like the point he was making about not being able to push on his outlap was a valid point. I think it's more down to the whole broadcast, and I think I said this last year about when they about the same thing about when massive, they release the massive, the, the massive, the, the the whole sort of massive conversations. I think Formula One have to be like um, smarter with with the radio comms that they release. I mean, I don't think we need to hear a, like because they're they're delayed as it is. So we know that we know that they're listening to them first. Why do we need to hear a driver complaining? Why don't we just hear like the stuff about pit stops, problems with the car, and let's limit it to like just little bits of like just of spice here and there. But like we don't we have good enough commentators that 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 kind of stuff doesn't add much to sort of the whole production value of the um, event. Well, that's yep. an interesting. In, sorry, Harry, keep going, bro. I was just going to say, like, it's the first race of a new era, brand new tires, new wheel size, new cars, all of that. Obviously, mm. they they don't have the data yet on how the tires are performing, so they're asking him not to push. Oh, I think everyone was saying it, it wasn't just Max. Mm. Don't push on your outlap because we don't know how long these tires are going to last. And then he's fucking whinging on the on the on the radio. Mm. I don't know. It was really but, but frustrating. Maybe it's because it was. 
maybe it was 4.30 in the morning and I was like, shut <laughs> up. But yeah, like it was driving me nuts. It, it literally sounded like Lewis. Do you think, I mean, obviously there's so many good things happening in Formula One right now and it's, you know, so good to be back mm. you know, with the sport that we love. Do we? Do you think... Like Red, drive um, to survive season four? <laughs> exactly. That's the point I'm going to make. Do you think from Formula One now that it has developed definitely a more engaged following has to do a little bit more to defend, not defend, to protect its image a little bit. I mean, obviously last weekend drive to survive came out. I don't know how you guys found it, but I, I only got through four episodes before I thought the episodes is... about the midfield teams and the small teams. I found really good. There was a Same. good one about Williams. There was a good one about Haas. There was a good yep. one about McLaren. I think it was. And I think there was another one about Alpine and Ocon. Mm. I found them really good. I found them like the, the older seasons. I thought, you know, these are good episodes. The episodes about the battle between Mercedes and Red Bull, I thought were absolute dog shit. Like, and that is the only way I, I was getting, I was so bored. I couldn't believe how bored I was. And there was, it wasn't even just that. There was like these little bits of, conversation between Horner and Jelly Halliwell and then Toto and his wife and I was uh, like Susie was good though yeah but like it's not when she was talking it was like their little bits of conversation yeah. I'm like no like you wouldn't have that conversation having breakfast like we know it's staged and, and it doesn't need it you know what I mean even I the Bottas and Toto lunch that was even, there's, so there's, there's, staged there was Bottas talking to his trainer yeah. And it was like, it was it was uncomfortably cringe. Did you guys I, get through the whole season? Yeah, I did. I, did, I watched it so I could talk about it. And I, I, I want... Yeah. I, I think, wanted, um, and I wanted it to be good because I know Harry was, was peaking and I thought, yeah, well, I would like to review it. But no. I think... I, I don't want to review it because I don't want to be too critical of it. But I, I last year was the best season we've had in the four years yeah. like previous. And they but, made the worst season because they tried to over like they 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 tried to oversimplify it it had its own I, drama i don't think I, th I think they it was just they didn't need to embellish it but i felt felt like they were explaining it and embellishing it more than they needed to did you find that too h yeah and like you know the the whole lando and daniel episode i think it was episode oh. two that was ridiculous like we know that them two weren't you know bad like enemies or whatever but I think what I've been thinking about it a lot and I know we're getting off topic from the race and all that, but I think the formula is a bit stale. They've had the same thing now for four seasons, right? The first season, everyone was, Oh my God, this is amazing. We love it. Formula one, blah, blah, blah. Season two, even I thought season two was okay. Season three was good, but I don't know. Maybe we're just bored of the same thing over and over think, again. I don't, I thought about it. I don't think we're bored because there was, four episodes in there that were actually good, you know? And I thought, and I mm. thought these, like these show that they, it, it works when you do it right. Just focus on a race. But th there was parts when I was thinking like this show is actually, it's like, it's, be it's become a clusterfuck because there was a part when there was a, there was a race in the rain and there yeah. was Hungry. Max, I think it was Hamilton following Max and it was raining. And then they cut to a, to like a, a zoom shot of the Red Bull, like a zooming past, and a cut of the of the Mercedes following it, like two quick shots. 
and it was not even at that track because it wasn't even raining. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck my, is this? My favorite was um, Monza when the sprint race, and it was like Max Verstappen wins the sprint race. He didn't win the race. Bo- it was Bottas. Was it? <laughs> but but Bottas, Bottas got a, got the penalty and had to Brilliant. step back to the go to the back of the grid. But I I also think there was quite a bit of like um, added like fake commentary, which. Um, they've they've said that they've, they've said that, but they've, they've been doing that for years. Yeah. No, my, but my also my favorite part was there was a the whole episode with Russell and Botas about taking his seat, mm. and they were saying like they didn't know who was going to be racing the Mercedes, and they they qualified next to each other, and Toto says something like, um, "It will be decided on the track." And it was sort of like like we're meant to believe that that Williams has a fighting chance against um, that Mercedes in like a in, in a full blown race. Um, do you know what's really sad about the whole thing? I think I, mean, I want to. I want to know what a non-fan would think of that. Season. I spoke. I spoke to someone this week about it. So obviously, Joanne's sister and and um, husband kind of got into Formula One based off of watching Drive to Survive over lockdown the last couple of years. And um, obviously, last year was the first year that they watched and were following Formula One throughout the season as opposed to just watching it on drive to survive yeah. so we had dinner this week and i said oh how did you find drive to survive and they both kind of said oh it wasn't wasn't really as good because it was to them it was a little bit more boring but also once people are invested in Formula and they start actually following it you see a lot more of these frayed lines and these frayed edges that aren't like they know they know that those particular things aren't true and the sad thing is you had a season where there was enough drama as it was between Hamilton and Verstappen when you take into consideration Silverstone, um, you take into consideration uh, Monza, you take into consideration Jeddah. There was enough drama, the last race, there was enough drama there just between them to have a good series. Then you also add Alpine's win, you take into consideration McLaren's win. You know, there's there's enough good things that have been happening that you don't really have to embellish the story as much as they did. And a lot of people were saying it during the season, like, you know, hopefully drive to survive, just use the season off its merits. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be disappointed if drive to survive became a little bit more to, to kind of curtail what you were saying, Harry, obviously they've, they've got a lot of creative license, but maybe it's time now that there's a bigger audience to remove some of that creative license. And even if it's just more of a behind the scenes, look at a season review, that might be, the way moving forward for it where you've got they wouldn't even have to do that they could just do whatever like every team their best race and focus on that team for that race yeah because that's 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 enough like interesting stuff to feed people but there was also parts in that season where they were cutting from i think they did monza for um yeah, they they always move for forward. McLaren, back. and they did another. Then they did a thing, and they did Monza again for Red Bull, and mm-hmm. then they cut to Silverstone. Then we had an episode of someone else. Then we were back at fucking Silverstone for a different team. It was so jumbled, and I was. Did like, you guys watch the watch the Erebus documentary this year? No. Not so yet. I started. I started watching. I haven't watched all of it. I'm not going to lie, but what I think was good about it, and hopefully. You know, it's definitely something to consider moving forward. Is that that was a very much behind the scenes look at what was happening. So obviously, you're getting a lot of footage about you know the in ins and outs of the race team, but it wasn't kind of 
changing the story to make something different. And I think Formula One in particular has to be very careful now because they've got a bigger audience who know what's happening. It's hard for people not to know what happened last year or such an engaging season. So when you see mm. such such blatant fiction being generated from from the you know from the audio and video from the season, it's just it doesn't work. Well, anyway. Um, Stefano well, Dominicali came out. Sorry, go ahead. Stefano Dominicali came out, I think, last week, the week before, and said, um, if it doesn't add any value moving forward, then we won't do it anymore. And <laughs> there, there, there may be, he actually said, there may be a need to change how they create the show and what they, what they, mm. what they show. So mm. obviously they're looking at it as well because they're probably hearing the feedback too. Well, apparently Ferrari don't have much create like much creative license over like the actual end product. So there's a there's a studio who's doing the show, uh. and um, apparently Ferrari sort of looking into getting more involved with it to have a bit more um, creative. Li- I think they were not happy with it before it even launched. There was like there was uh, whispers on the street that they weren't happy with how the season was portrayed. Um, and I mean. That MotoGP show came out, which I don't know where it is in Australia. Yeah, I can't find it's it. Not, it's, it's not, they haven't released it here yet, the um, MotoGP Unlimited. But um, from what I'm hearing online, everyone's saying how it's really sort of um, upstaged this season of um, of Drive to Survive because of just how like it was another awesome season in MotoGP, sort of like Formula One. And, they, and the way they did this one was just sort of just showing what happened and it was just a much more engaging sort of show for the fans so number one i want to try and find a bootlegged copy of it because i I want to watch it um but yeah i I think if like especially for season like last year it just showed how just trying to make it more than it was has really hurt the end product Mm. especially if that's like a fan who could potentially get into it and they watch it and i think this just is like keeping up with the Kardashians of wheels kind of thing. Yeah, but you know, I don't think it's an issue. If, if it's for someone who hasn't watched it, I think it will yeah, still fine. engage them. The issue is you've got so. people you've got people that have built a relationship with the sport based on previous seasons. And you know, if if it if it's gonna now that they're interested and they're following it, if it's not gonna add value to what they think about the sport, they're just gonna not gonna watch it. Yeah. At the at the end of the day, Formula One, we know the whole point of all this is to move into the American market. Yeah. And both both races in the US are sold out already. So they're gonna look at it from a from a monetary perspective and say, This is working at the end and of the Haas day. And so, and Haas is doing better, a lot yeah. better. So, you know, we could be out, we could be in for another similar season. So anyway. Well, what about let's we let's, digress. We digressed a little bit. Let's kind of bring it back to, to finish mm. up then. So Obviously, we don't have to wait long. You've got Saudi Arabia next week. What are you? What are you? The biggest things that you guys are looking for um, from the race. What are your biggest stories and your biggest considerations moving into this week's race? I just want to see if 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 a, if a pecking order sort of emerges. Like um like one thing I'm interested to speak about when we do the the next uh, MotoGP pod is just about how the, all the bikes that sort of performed badly last week performed well this week and vice versa. Mm. Um, so I want to see if, if that happens um, next week in this F1 race. I mean, the thing is, there's not much turnaround and we're not going to get many updates on cars probably until we hit Europe, which yeah. is fair enough. But I just want to see if a pecking order emerges or if we see another 
like a sort of scramble. Um, which I is think gonna it's going to be pretty status quo this week. That's my personal view. Yeah, but if the if 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 the cars are as close as we're thinking, yeah. we might see a, a a bit not if just not much, but it doesn't need much. It just like maybe see the um, the Alpines I, ahead of the Haases or something like just stuff like that, just to see if if there isn't um, enough variation in the cars for changes like that. Do you know what's going to Sorry, H, I'll go after you. I was just saying, I think it's going to be Ferrari dominated with that power unit at this track. Do you think that maybe with someone as good as Pierre Gasly, there might be a chance that he's troubling Mercedes? Mercedes, yeah, 100%. I think that, I think that him, maybe not Sonoda, but I think definitely he's got the, he's got the um, potential to give Mercedes a bit of problems. And the interesting thing moving forward this year is it's a, it's a contract year for Gasly, isn't it? So there's definitely a lot riding on him doing well for Red Bull Bull and getting back into their main team. And if not, I think that he's going to go off the market really quickly. So, you know, there's definitely motivation there. I think if, if, if Gasly stays on the path that he's on at the moment and there's been nothing to say, he won't, I honestly, I would be shocked if he's not in a Red Bull next year. I'm the same. I mean, he's younger than Perez. He's nearly getting the same results as Perez. Um, I mean, the Alpha Tari looks like a pretty handy car in itself. Like, it's not as good as the number one car, but it looks, seems pretty handy. Mm. Um, I would be shocked if he's... I mean, yeah. Red Bull have been notoriously bad at keeping, uh, like, the decisions for some of their drivers. And I think... This will be one of them that if they let this go, would would be not detrimental, but it would be a big blow for them. So I can't see anyone in their stable at the moment who could come in and probably do the job that, that he could do. I, yeah, I, I I can't see them letting him go to another team. Let's put it that way. The I other can't thing see, is- like they've lost Ricardo, Science, Vettel, like all these drivers that are now Obviously, like Ricardo's had a shitty, shitty weekend, but you know, science D two in in a Ferrari, Vettel, four time world champion. They didn't want to lose him. Let's be honest. Like all these high end drivers that they've lost out of their stable, if they lose another one, Albon at Williams, even though he's technically still a a Red Bull driver, um, oh, I can't see it happening. The other thing that I want to see as well is that this guy has got major motivation to perform now, and mm. I, I I would think that put him in the in the big boy car again, I think we could see the um, finally see someone really take it to um, take it Did to. It sorry, I had a thing pop up on my computer about restarting the computer. Um, finally, see someone really take it to Max that we haven't seen for a long time. Well, we haven't mm. seen anyone really take it to Max, really. Yeah. The other thing that I I mean, obviously, you've spoken pretty glowingly about most teams on the grid so far, you know, today. I think there's a definitely question mark surrounding McLaren and Aston Martin, as we spoke about before. It'll be interesting to see if and how they bounce back from this week. And then if they do bounce back, where do they fit within that pecking order? I don't expect it to be too high up it right now. Because, um, again, it's not going to be quick fixes this weekend, but just some more level of, competitiveness to try to find some competitive window for that car. Um, 
All right, well, let's talk about the power rankings. And so we've got our first power rankings of the season. H, you're going to throw them up on the socials tonight or tomorrow, yeah? Tomorrow, So yeah. let's throw out, let me just read out what they are. We've got Leclerc, Saints, Magnuson, Hamilton, Botas, Verstappen, Russell, Zhu, Perez, and Ocon. I don't think it's too bad, to be honest with you, man. I would probably... I would raise Perez, to be honest. No, I would raise oh, Verstappen based off of his race today. I'd probably put Verstappen second and then pretty Why much have you keep... punished? Okay, sorry. I'd probably put Verstappen second because he raced well until he had the issue. I might raise Perez to above Botas. But apart from that, I'm, I'm pretty... I don't have any real issues with it. You can definitely make the argument. I just don't think you can blame um, the two Red Bull guys for the car screwing up. Yeah, look, anyway. um, I could probably move Verstappen. That's fair enough. But Bottas yeah, he did clearly, clearly outperformed that car. Perez yeah. should have been in P4. Like, he was yeah. where he should have been. Yeah, that's and a good point. Joe, I think, had an awesome debut. For his first race, yeah. For his first race. And Magnussen, like, I could... Probably put him P two to be honest. Like he just what Magnuson a weekend P one. <laughs> I honestly would, but um, P two would be fine. I mean, the only one I would say is maybe, uh, yeah, actually, I, I, from what you said about where they should finish, yeah, hundred percent. But um, yeah, we can live with that. That's for sure. I'll give that to you uh, on it's second a, thoughts. It's definitely not a bad place to start. Um, so you guys were able to see that on from Tuesday, jump onto Instagram, jump onto Facebook, have a look at the um, power rankings, let us know what you think. And then obviously those rankings will be changing very soon because we've got a race next weekend um, at a slightly different Saudi Arabian track. I, I agree with what you're saying, H, about starting the season at these odd tracks at these odd times of the night. It just, it's a little bit of a, um, like undercard when it shouldn't be like but, realistically this track last year was shit until the whole hamilton verstappen thing happened hmm. i don't know i think it's going to get any better no so we're just gonna have to do well, i don't mind this i don't mind the bahrain track though, though, but this one coming up I let's mean, be honest uh, this is a bloody aramco golf mm. money track that's why it's there that's the reality yeah. of it but that's like just, that's a lot that's a lot of tracks why is yeah. monaco there monaco's a dog shit track Monaco's I not mean, there because of the money. One, Monaco's there because of history. Yeah, but if you're talking about tracks, like mm-hmm. the, it's like a it's 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 a fucking footpath. But, you know what I'm waiting for? The new the Melbourne, the new the new layout. Yeah, but see, I don't, that, I don't think it's change it that much. That, that track's become mm. more like this track, man. I don't know. No, the 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 big straight that they've put in now. The, at the back. Yeah, they got rid of the chicane and it's all. Uh, no, I'm not a fan yeah. of that. I don't know. When I saw that. At first, I thought it was cool, but now I think about it, I don't understand what it's adding at all. This is the issue that we, we brought it up last year. I'm not going to go on another rant about it, but <laughs> removing braking zones from tracks doesn't make racing better. I think, I think Melbourne's still got enough, though. But it, it, the reason they're saying is because they can, it's, they've added a DRS zone, haven't they? Yeah, that's right. But, but I mean... It, that does, it that defies the, the purpose, purpose of, of what these new making cars, cars are. Tight. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's, this is, we'll talk about Melbourne when we get to Melbourne, but 
Well, let's just deal with um, Saudi Arabia first. In in yeah. general, in general, like with, I love I love. Now you've sent me on a on a fucking rant. Don't rant. Um, don't 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 start. Because in general, there has not been a train of there's not been a well designed new track in a long time. In Hold a on. long does, time, I don't know. They're all they're all Tilka tracks. I don't know where the people who designed Spa and Silverstone and Hungaro Ring. Yeah, but find someone who could do something. They're, they're dead. <laughs> so no, no one Literally. else could design a, a good track like that. You know what you do? Take the best corners from Spa, Imola, Monza, like all the best tracks in the world, and just put it on one. That's what it's simple. Do you know? What I think the issue is, and like again, let's not start talking about tracks. Racing but, in cities, but no, it doesn't have to be cities. But what it needs to be is a lot of these tracks that you look at now, particularly the Tilki tracks, they're all trying to be different from each other, and they've got these really different aesthetics and characteristics of them, just so that they are different. But the reality is they're the same. What you need is not what they're giving you. You need corners that are going to make the car slow down and make mistakes. And a lot of the time you're getting these really and interesting shapes. And gravel. And you need these really interesting, you're going to get these really interesting shapes, but if the car's not dropping out of fourth gear, well, then that's not enough for another car to overtake without the DRS. We're running and on what, a, and and gravel th- is good because Paul Ricard gives me ep- an epileptic fit whenever <laughs> I watch that stupid race. <laughs> but it's not for that. There's, there's no... There's no um, what's the word? There's no repercussions for for going wide. There's no consequence. I yeah. mean, you're driving on a you're you're just driving on a painted airfield, and you're <laughs> staying within the lines. But if you go it's, wide, just like if you go too fast, like oh, I'll get it better next time. Like there's no lose five seconds while you're stuck in the gravel or stuff like that. I may mean, as well least... race at the Top Gear track. <laughs> <laughs> Even that's got more consequences than some of these tracks. <laughs> I was a race in a, in a bloody Bunnings car park. <laughs> anyway, why don't we leave it? Why don't we leave it there for tonight, boys? Before we digress any further, so we got. Thanks, guys, for listening. With another race coming up next weekend, which is, you know, not too far away, which is great for us. So be ready for um, another podcast next uh, Monday night or Tuesday morning. Uh, more realistically, boys, thanks again for your time. Again, if you've been listening, please keep interacting with our show socials, liking, subscribing, sharing, spreading the word. We really appreciate it. Thanks, men. Have a great night. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. See you, boys. See you, boys.